All right. Listen, you lot, it's Christmas time, and we're having a Christmas episode of Podcast Maximus. So watch out. And with me is Marion Hilditch. Hi. And with me here, special for Christmas, is Stuart Webb. Hello. I think there's definitely more of gravy than grave about you, Tom. Absolutely. You're correct. It's a Christmas correct answer. Christmas Carol reference. God, you're so unsophisticated, Tom. (laughs) Tiny Tom. Will Tiny Tom live is my question. Not on a long enough timeline. To make this even more festive, I'm putting on the first Christmas carol that came up on YouTube. Nope, this is a YouTube band. <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle. YouTube and now... Ad. Okay, you can talk over it. No, oh, right, I have okay. enjoyed <laughs> I, I've been... Hearing a lot of uh, biblical Christian music this week. <laughs> oh God! In in Tesco, yes. Uh, oh, no, uh, t- in church. In church. <laughs> a... Well, I suppose that's. Suppose it was that... good though. I, was, I got to sing "Purple Headed Mountain" quite loudly in a church. There was nothing the vicar could do about it. I'm sure that that bit about uh, about him is some sort of God's bragging a bit. There, he's very proud of his purple headed mountain. In all creatures, great and small. We'll I'm, take your word for it. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked <laughs> at this filth. <laughs> so it's Christmas time. They took away our comics, and uh, instead we just have each other. Oh, could, could we get some comics? He said. <laughs> <laughs> so we've um, we, we've 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 all given each other gifts. <gasps> Yay! Mine are under the tree, guys. <laughs> oh shit! I'll go grab them. Oh, very excited, Tom. I think you need to open one of yours first. We'll, we'll let you go first. So pick up. We we got one for each other each. You can pick either mine or or Marion's, and uh, open it. Okay, okay. Hang on. I pick up the sack. <gasps> sack. It's full of Christmas cheer. I'm so excited. <laughs> so uh, this lister is the one for me. You'll be able to tell as soon as you open it, you'll go, that's a very, that's a specifically Stuart. <laughs> For those of you who listen to the audio version, which which might end up being the only version, uh, uh, Tom is delicately opening it with, with the scissors. He's being very gentle. Uh, he's going to reuse this wrapping paper. If you're Tom's mom or uh, Megan Ants, you'll be getting reused Amazon wrapping which he will pretend is a delicate personal present for you, but... <laughs> I can see what it is. <laughs> this is the most... the most Stuart of things that's possible. It's like Stuart had himself sort of put inside a pocket dimension, and this is kind of the gem that, that unlock, brings him back into the world. It's the complete... Blake <laughs> <like> 7... <laughs> Series one to four. It is. You, know, you once said to me you'd have to watch it one day, Tom, to understand me. And now, 
Now you will understand me. I'm finally going to understand Stuart. Wow. Hang on. <laughs> get this the 40th up. anniversary box set as well. Goodness me. Nothing Nothing could be 40 years old. That, that was cheaper than the uh, individual season box sets were when they first came out. It was very annoying. And you have those. Oh, of oh. course I did. <laughs> it smells so factory-like. Whoa! Shiny new discs. There are about, I think, without exaggeration, about 100 discs here. Well, if there's only 52 episodes, if there were 100 discs, I would, be, I would say the most number of discs is about 12. <laughs> okay, so you, I think you have told me this before, but just remind me, what is Blake 7? Oh, you'll have to. It's a uh, spaceship dystopian BBC science fiction series from the 70s that uh, I think you'll especially like the first episode because it's about a surveillance state. It's about uh, stitching up opponents to the, uh, the fascist government for crimes they didn't commit. Oh, that's uh, serious. You're very dark and serious crimes as well. It pulls out punches there. And then as it evolves, it becomes a. Uh, incredibly homoerotic camp uh, space opera. And I think I was listening to a podcast the other day that said it's basically every episode is either brilliant or amazingly terrible. And I mean, that's, that's a fair assessment. But I think you'll definitely enjoy the first one uh, I, very much, I think. And uh, probably quite a few of the others. Okay, so you never know what you're going to get. You just sort of <laughs> pull that lever and it comes around and are we going to get the homoerotic camp? Are we going to get the, uh, the, the, the teeth grinding... Dystopia, are we going to get the real quality stuff that makes you want to be alive? Cool. Thank you, Stuart. That's amazingly sweet of you. Are you feeling more Christmassy? Um, yeah, I was here, and now I'm about here. Okay, okay, that's progress. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Marion, uh, oh, sorry, sorry. No, I, I, was, I was just being... Uh, do you want to go next, Marion? Yeah, I can do I'm going to open this one. This is oh. from <laughs> uh, my, my presents will go first. That's what I mean. So we better get him out of the way. <laughs> and this Shears card as well, in which he apologizes for it not being Halloween. Oh, shit. I've got a card from the headstrap. Is this I want to slink away for a second? Oh, no. Shears escaped just to say, oh, no. Did we get the same card? Yay! Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, mine's, no. A, mine's a phone box. Yours is a post box. Yeah, it, it, we, have we both got doggos on them? It is the same dog. I guess Aww. this is just one life in the day of this dog. Aww. So I just remembered there was a prop I wanted to grab uh, for this specific moment that I hadn't actually got hold of before we started. I'm terrified. They've left a load of presents underneath this this lamppost. <laughs> left the dog in the presents. Okay. No. I got. An eco dot. An eco I would dot. open up the box uh, before you decide what it is. It's... Oh, it's not an eco dot. This was very confusing. <laughs> that is just a packaging the eBay seller uh, use. Okay. This is what I in fact knew it was. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Stuart gave it away at some point. <laughs> they got to ruin the magic. I never gave specifically what it was away. You you most definitely did. So, first of all, let me show you what it is. 
It is a G1 Spinister. Oh! Wow, I've never seen a Spinister. Look. <laughs> He's got his... Well, the camera's there. He's got his stickers on and everything. Ah! Oh. And he looks complete, I'm assuming. Does it say hair splitter for Spinister? Uh, I know he's got uh, two target master guns. At, uh... Ah, that's that's her name, is it? Hair splitter's a very Budiansky name. And Singe. Oh, that's a... No other names would clear name. Okay, okay, okay. So there they are. Hair splitter and Singe? <laughs> yeah. He's so 1989 in his colours, isn't he? He's got a hot pink cyan. They are amazing. And (laughs) because I knew this is what this was going to be, I've got to hand a misfire. Oh. A crock. Merry Christmas crock. And behind me is an unopened flywheels. Holy hell. A flywheels is very good. I, I, I feel I should point out to the uh, viewers and the listeners that I only slightly implied what it might be because after I bought it, Marion went on Twitter and said, where do you buy G1 Transformers from? I want to buy some. I was like, don't go buying any G1 Transformers. It, 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 she only wanted them for her uh, brother. Uh, so it was a... I mean, uh, somebody else was uh, after that going to Marion, you should buy a Spinister. And I had to kill them. Which uh, uh, it was actually was a shame. Um, yes, so <laughs> I I was asking Rena for G one toys, and um, when I was looking at one of the websites, somebody suggested there was a spinster there. So it's like, oh look, they've got a spinster, and right as you know it, she had messages me, DMs me like within seconds, and goes, I don't want to give anything away, but don't buy anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would have been awkward if you had that would. <laughs> it wasn't anywhere Maybe, yeah. near as bad as because um, my, my brother wanted the, the oh god what are they called you know Monstractor uh, his bots uh, oh god the, uh, the Tango Monsters yes um, but he wanted them one at a time he wanted to collect them and then I discovered that some uh, that uh, Toifu actually had the monstructor like for a good price as well and it was right after I actually bought him the one um so that was a bit of a do I get a monstructor no no he'll he'll figure it out uh, he will if he listens to this podcast before Christmas Day anyway <laughs> well he's had it it was for his birthday no. uh, it wasn't for Christmas well, uh, the other part of my story to that is that that was actually a uh, a lot job with another spinister that uh, came for me. I decided to get one myself. Uh, this one, he only has one rotor blade, have uh, no stickers, and he doesn't have a target master gun. So when they both came, I did have that Sophie's <laughs> choice of which one to send yeah. to Marion. It's a, <laughs> well, as it is a Christmas present, I would send another one in a better condition. It's a gradient of spinisters. Me with no spinister. <laughs> Stuart with a poorly decorated spinister. In fact, this is my second spinister because my first spinister is over here. 
Uh, but Creon was oh, a crack. Creon Spinister. <laughs> wow. They stopped Creon a long time ago, didn't they? This, this oh, they? Kind of little, was, I don't know. There's a question. I don't know. I thought it was still going, but I might be wrong. It was just a blip. Um, Marion, because I didn't make it to York, um, you also don't have your Grimlock. I don't. But it still exists. And it just okay. dawned on me. I guess I should have sent it ahead of this. <laughs> we will... I, it would have been too much. It would have been too many things. Um, yeah, it can wait for the next get together. Oh, I'm going okay. to just play with everyone now. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart has new friends. She doesn't need us anymore. Okay, so that was me. That was me. Stuart, you do one. You do one. Uh, well, well, yeah. It, Marianne has implied we can't even look in the outer wrapping of ours until we open it. So we should definitely those ones for last in case it is some sort of bomb or anthrax. So I'm going to uh, go with Tom's, which is a little, a little gold thing with a number five on it, like the famous computer who uh, from that film. Johnny Five? Yeah, Johnny Five. He's he alive. alive. Right, yes. yeah, yeah. Well, this, All the 80s references. This present isn't alive. It's certainly well wrapped in, uh, in bubble wrap. Is it the exploding bubble wrap that episode of Doctor Who the other day? Ooh. It's very well wrapped. It's some sort of purple thing, I think. Well, I can't quite see what it is through the copious amount of bubble wrap. Ooh. A good amount of bubble wrap. This is it just some bubble wrap, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know how much you like that show, Doctor Who, and it's... Ah. Amazon satires. It's, oh, it's those 3D printed robot heads. It's 3D printed rungs. Ah, 3D printed rungs, specially made to oh. fit on Nova Star's body. Excellent. That's two rung heads. So I have a. Are uh, they different? No, they're there because they need to be painted, and in case you mess up one of them, you've got a spare. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, so I've got a, uh, a fire star here, which is basically the same body, so I'm going to just pop that off now. <laughs> so... Put, yeah, now you, hey, presto, you got it wrong. Oh. <gasps> Maybe not. I'll, I'll do that I in mean, privacy. If, you, if, if I... you just pop a head off, then you've got an issue seven wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, an excellent callback. That's fantastic. I can now juggle wrong heads. In fact, if. Uh, uh, people who know uh, Cyber Doctor on Twitter, uh, they will be incredibly jealous because they only have a one 3D printed rung head, I believe, and I have the two. So who's the bigger rung fan now? Jog on, uh, Jacob. <laughs> this one's for you, Jacob. Right in your eye. Both eyes. There's one head to go with each. Oh, oh yeah. Jeez. He's going to have a terrible new year. Uh, they will, yes. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Tom, it's your turn again. My you turn. only have one present left. I've got this present here. The man, the man came, gave it to me this morning. It was, uh, it was a close call. I, I had difficulty getting to a post office. <laughs> <laughs> See, nice jiffy bagger. It's got no anthrax. <laughs> it's got a pleasant smell. Oh, um, what's going on? There's, there's yeah. food. Some food. And there is 
there are a couple of loose things. Enjoy um, Sweden's most infamous chocolate name. By buying UTZ certified cocoa, Cloetta supports sustainable cocoa farming. Oh, sustainable cocoa farming is the worst sort. You can't over farm. Oh, hell, hell, hell. What's this here? It is a lost light patch in the style of NASA mission patches. I can put yep. that on my on my denim jacket and uh, be the right old peacock around town. This is cool. And it's made the way they've drawn, well, embroidered the lost light makes it look like a sort of star control ship, kind of top down. Hmm. And I just sort of realized, you know, it looks a bit, it looks a bit like Rodimus's head. In, I don't know, you can I imagine his face on that? Maybe not. Do you like to imagine Rodimus's face often, Tom? Um, only, you know, when I'm going to sleep at night. It's got, it's, it's got a sort of, I haven't, it's got a sort of hand motif as well, hasn't it? The old mm. lost light. That's cool. I'm very pleased with that. I've got to just get a load of blue tack and stick it on my things. Okay, so I've got my plop. I've got my, my last light NASA patch. And now here is the main event. It's got penguins. Many stylized penguins wearing human clothes. That's not God's way. And... No, remember, we've already established God loves the purple heady mountain tobs. I would have trusted it in. Well, that's a you know that's an, an ethos. Okay, it's a, it's definitely some sort of book. I can read this with my eyes. <laughs> There's a terrified man here. I don't know what that could mean. Well, that's a photo of you, is it, Tom? Oh shit! Is this a book about my own death? <laughs> Stephen King likes it. The man's looking even more terrified. Oh shit, he's really, he's old as well. Okay, right, here we go. An AMC original series from Sir Ridley ah. Scott. What could that mean? Based on true events. I still don't know what it is. I'm still. I do, I could prove a surprise. I, I could tell already from the. Uh... The Terror by Dan Simmons. The terror. That's what he's feeling. Yeah, you got it in one, in fact. Oh, really? okay. His ships, Terra and Erebus, have been trapped in Arctic ice. We have been discussing the Arctic of late. Yes. Famous I may ice. have mentioned this. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. I've heard of this show. I didn't know Sir Ridley Scott. That's not a real sticker. That's just printed on. Yeah. So you, you will never forget Sir Ridley Scott's involvement. <laughs> There's something out there in the frigid darkness. It stalks the ships and snatches men. It's a nameless thing. At once, nowhere, and everywhere. It has become the expedition's nemesis, the Terror. Thank you very much. It's a Merry Christmas with the Terror. It's um, so. This is uh, falls under historical fiction because it is based on Trevensus. It says uh, it's based on the Franklin expedition, the search, the search for the uh, Northwest Passage. Oh yeah, uh, and the two ships that famously went missing. 
uh, and have been rediscovered recently. Ah, but now this presupposes that so, yeah. there was some monster. Well, well yeah. Yeah, but hey, he's done a good job. He's based it a lot on the actual facts. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I read the book once at the start of the year, and then I watched the series, and now I'm rereading the book um, because it really stays with you. Oh, cool. I, I hope you enjoy it. Thank you very much. It's a very Doctor Who kind of premise, isn't it? Mm. Like, let's go back to Shakespeare and see what Shakespeare's up to. Ah, but there's witches. Oh, that was a... Uh... A Tenth Doctor comic book strip where he goes on the uh, the Shackleton exhibition. Oh yeah, and there, there's monsters in the ice. <laughs> oh no! What are the odds? I'm gonna have a bit of chocolate. Oh, tell us what it's like. Oh no, there's stuff in it. There's goo. There's <laughs> coffee. A soft toffee filling, but it tastes like coffee. Huh. Hmm, I need to think on this. Okay. Oh, there's a card! There's a card! Oh, yeah, card. I'm overwhelmed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This card features an Arctic animal, a polar bear. To go with a book? Yeah. This polar bear is not terrorizing. Um, this man this polar bear is at peace with itself and the world, I think it's found Christ Um, it's presenting to us the viewer, a gift and it seems pretty pleased with itself I gotta say Merry Christmas and a Uh carry on, carry on Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year I hope, it's immaculate handwriting it looks printed on it I hope 2019 brings good grades and many new species of whatever you're looking for. Marion, well, thank you very much. And um, uh, uh, what else are you looking for, Tom? Um, I aim to find ha- the, the metabolic pathway of bacteria that seem to be sustaining populations of deloid rotifers uh, in, who uh, live in moss. Have you looked in Croydon? Not yet. But you know, we're. Um, I drive air out of you, I guess. We've got a big dollop of funding. We're going to look everywhere now. Thank you so much. That'd be that'd be the Bahamas. So put this on my nutcracker. It's like it's like work. I was um I was going to say earlier, like, you're doing an excellent job for the audio listeners. Oh shit! God damn! <gasps> oh, Benny oh, ruins it right at the last second. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm trying to balance this card on top of the eyebrows of a Lego nutcracker. <gasps> Almost. Should I should I open a present meanwhile? There we go. Yes, ah, yes. I think you should, yes, yes. You've done it. Okay, first, before I open the present, this was Tom's card, and I want to show it off because it was so, so pretty. It's a deer at night. It's an actual photograph. It looks painted on. It was gorgeous. That's one of the finalists in the Wildlife Photographer of the Year competition. Oh. Looking forward uh, to uh, our coordinated oh, present opening, Tom says. It's here. That's happening, happening now. Uh, if, but I will very quickly say there's my card from Tom, if I've shared one. It's uh, an oh. orgasmic sea lion, I think. Oh, a crab beats a seal. Oh, uh, quite. Why does it beat the crab? 
Oh, crab eater. Sorry, not crab beater. A, is that better or worse for beating a crab? Well, you got to you got to beat the crab before you can eat it. I am opening uh, this now. Uh, he, he, he loves his Johnson thing, according to uh, Tom's handwritten message on the back. He's really he really he hopes he brings you as much joy as my my Johnson thing. Oh, Mister Mister Johnson thing. Sorry, sorry. It's uh, almost like I deliberately misread that, but uh, no, it's. Uh, I'm sure we all know the Mr. Johnson meme. We don't need to explain that. He is a legend in his own lifetime, and he has supplanted the uh, the is Blitzwing Starswing gag as a Transformers-related joke of 2018. So go, Mr. Johnson. We should get him on the podcast one day, have an interview with him. Oh, I wonder if he's still kicking. Mr. Johnson can never die. <laughs> can I open my present now? Yeah, yes, you can, yes. Good. It's the Rodimus stars. Which is are holdable. Is it Safeways again? Uh, Shapeways, yeah. Shapeways, yeah, yeah. <gasps> yeah. They're also from Trent Troop, and I hear that they're holdable, so... Big old Milne Megatron can hold his up while he contemplates his life in prison. Oh, that's very nice. Yay. Ah. Are you painting them, I guess? Yes, a bit of gold spray paint. Oh, thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure. Who's going to get them? <gasps> that's a good question. I think Trailer Cutter needs to have one, really. Ah. Oh. That's probably the last thing he needs now, <laughs> whatever he is. <laughs> Well, and Megatron probably gets the other one. Trial cutter and Megatron, yes. They... And if, if, I, if I'm feeling brave, I might cut one so that it looks like uh, Megatron's. Oh. You can put it on Ratchet's grave. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. Hmm. All right, so into the final parcel of the evening. This is uh, my present for Marion. Which I already know from Tom's is going to be a... a unless it, Tom's had all the presents here, the mine is just going to be an empty bag. <laughs> we shall... So, uh, oh. I also have a plop. Ah, mm. Those wacky Scandinavians with funny names, which are unlike Tom, I'm going to be professional enough not to eat on the podcast. <gasps> you should so eat it. It's maybe... Oh, it's, it's Yeah, it's maybe the worst food for microphones. It's kind of sticky and chewy. <laughs> it's very ASMR. Oh. And I also get the, the Nostromo-style Lost Light patch. That's great. It's like uh, whether on my arm, the arm of my Star Trek Enterprise uniform. I've got uh, one too. I'm in, on a better ship. That is so cool. I've got, oh, a, I got a soul one. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on. Let me go grab it. Oh, and I, I shall uh, talk. Whilst, oh, Marion's card as well. Oh, can all be trouble buddies. Hey. Hey, but mine is a uh, a present giving penguin. Yeah, it's to match your own penguins. I got a penguin cart from Sure. Oh shit! So you, you're you're from the Antarctic. I'm from the Arctic. Yeah. Oh. Oh, well, this this is a controversial message in uh, in light of recent events. I don't even know if I should read it. Uh, lest <laughs> I bring the wrath of Twitter down upon me again, because it, it always seems to be down upon me. 
<laughs> it says, I hope 2019 brings you a secret James Roberts script for MTMTE issue one, which just says, See Red Dwarf. I think you'll know, Mario, that James has many influences. He enjoys many things. It's not just Red Dwarf. He loves many sorts of television. He doesn't just sit there going, what Red Dwarf thing can I copy this time? And he just doesn't understand why people keep making that insinuation. Even after the other day, when he quoted a massive amount of text from Red Dwarf and said, I think about this all the time. And when people in reply was going, so was this bit in War of the BTI inspired by this bit of Red Dwarf? He was going, no, why would you think that? Just as I said, I think about this all the time. It's... Uh, but if there are any complaints about that one, uh, that's for Marion. That's Marion's message. I just, I just read it out. <laughs> uh, so thank you very much, Ray. And the main present, ooh. Will it be a terror? Terror, though, that's the question. <laughs> Oh, this looks wearable. I think it's a t-shirt of some sort. <laughs> Tom, you're looking suitably terrified. Uh, yeah, well, you know, this this uh, guy I was... I shall try and open it with the back to the camera so I can see it before... Just, just in case it is inappropriate. You know? Nice. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's... that's Oh, that's fantastic. The suspense! I'm turning down. <laughs> it is an Ice Hotel t-shirt because ah. um, for, for her birthday recently, Marion managed to do one of my life's ambitions and uh, went to stay in an Ice Hotel, <laughs> which I have wanted to do ever since the, uh, the awful and near-franchise-destroying James Bond film Die Another Day came out, where really the, the best bits are all set in the Ice Hotel. Uh, mainly when he just goes up to bar and says, can I have a vodka martini shake and not stirred? Plenty of ice, if you can spare it. That's, that's, a, that's a level of wit in that film. But it, yeah, it, it, it looked so cool. I've always wanted to go to one of those. There's a cool car chase in the Ice Hotel in that film as well. I hope to do reenact one day when I go to the real one. Isn't it, so I, like, can't. isn't it actually called the Ice Palace in the film? It is, yes. I, I don't think I can ever afford to say the nice palace. Uh... <laughs> you have to build one first, probably. <laughs> it, it, it is melted by an ice laser from outer space uh, near the end, so it's it's not completely realistic to, to a real one, I imagine. Mm. <laughs> it's fantastic. That's, that I will wear that when I go to the actual ice hotel. And, and confuse them. Um, that, that poor bar, the poor person who works in the bar at the... Ice Palace in the James Bond film must have heard that joke so many times. Well, he's he's a fictional character, though, so he, he, he would only have ever heard it once. Well, I want a film about that guy and how <laughs> all these jerks keep trying to make ice puns, and he's like, oh, fuck. Well, trust me, that is better than all the other puns in that scene, which is just Halle Berry and Rosamund Pike making insinuations that James Bond has a massive penis while staring at his groin. It's, a, it's not a... It's, I think Mr. Bond has been explaining his Big Bang Theory to you. I think I got the thrust of it. It's a, oh, it's, it's a terrible film in many, many ways, died of a day, but it's got a cool ice palace in it. It's That's a main thing to say. If you take anything away from this podcast, <laughs> take away what my favourite part of Died of a Day is. Oh. I feel suitably spoiled. I can't believe I've opened Christmas presents ahead of Christmas. 
Oh, man. Well, it was either that or we do this on Christmas Day. And I I don't work Christmas Day. That's my philosophy in life. uh... (laughs) Just ignore our families. Just have a podcast. Uh, but ch- cheers, everybody, and Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry that's Christmas. A point to do a, a race toast. <laughs> mm. uh, so, should we talk about what we would like to see? Well, no, first of all, are you guys going to go see the Bumblebee movie? Oh, yeah, it looks not shit, doesn't it? Mm, I'm going tomorrow. Are you? Yeah, yeah like, yeah. okay. But people seem confused as to when it was actually out. It is out this weekend, and it'll be out um, next week. There were some advanced screenings. I think this is one of them, 14th and 15th or something like that. But I think oh, the right. actual opening is 20-something. Oh, so I did see people moaning that it wasn't out until after Christmas, and that's all other people saying that it was out mm. this weekend. So if, if it is out next weekend, I will go see it next weekend early. In the day, hopefully. Uh, I've got a, f- a Christmas breakfast to go to of the morning, but hopefully after that. Uh, but I- I'm looking forward to it. I, I don't know uh, sort of what I will actually think of it. I think the trailers look very low budget in places. I think they've, they've saved some money on the uh, uh, computer game level looking Cybertron stuff. Mm. And, but it looks like it'll be... a Gentle. I think it might be a bit too, a bit too kiddie. I've, I've seen people go, "Yay, there's no swearing or innuendo <laughs> or violence in it." I'm like, well, that's all my favourite family films when I was a kid. Had terrible sex puns and violence and innuendo in them. <laughs> like dying of a day. Uh, so I, I will, I will miss that if there's. Uh, but uh, what, what I am enjoying though is really. Yeah, four people moaned about the, talking about the critical reception of, to the Bay films. No Transformers media ever really gets good contemporary critical reception, except maybe an award for animation or special effects or something like that. They, they tend to, they're always seen as a bit shit and slagged off and uh, dismissed, except for Lost Light and Morbid Meets the Eye, which really the first contemporary. Uh, critical acclaimed series so just seeing the Bumblebee movie having got good reviews uh, and a good Rotten Tomato score that's quite nice uh, whatever, I, whatever I do end up thinking of it it's like yeah it's about time uh, something in this franchise got some recognition beyond that one comic <laughs> it only took 30 years but it's, it's kind of amusing though, but, but, but as Lost Light has ended suddenly the films are getting good critical notes goes for Four or five years, every single one of those positive critical reviews of Lost Lights, whether it be from The Guardian or comic book sources or whatever, every single one of them start with, boy, aren't the Transformers movie shit. But this isn't. And uh, so it's, it's like the tables are flipped of the movies are having their revenge. On people who write for The Guardian, basically. Which is good. <laughs> they deserve to... <laughs> Um, and did you guys see that um, Lost Light is up for Comic Book of the Year on IGN? Not to, you know, kill stewards, you know. Same there, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but... That's exactly the thing I was saying. It's a, what Lost Light was the only critically acclaimed thing up until now. That, that reinforces what I was saying. It doesn't dismiss it. Well, I just want... To, I'm going in without any expectations of this film, and if it turns out being good, that would be great. Um, 
I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not as invested, um, I'm, but I am thinking of it as a fresh start in terms of the film. So I hope it's going to be something that I, I enjoy. Or if, if I don't enjoy it, at least I hope it's going to be something that, you know, is successful and other people enjoy, I suppose. Mm. I've, I've, what I people have been telling me who've seen more trailers, I don't think it was anybody who's actually seen the film yet, so this may not be accurate, but for people, because I've been avoiding the trailers, but for people who have seen the more recent trailers have told me that apparently it's uh, got no connection to the previous films at all. It's uh, at best not acknowledging them, and at most it's a complete reboot, really. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's sort of the X Men thing where none of the X Men films really fit together, but you can get away with it when most people only see one every couple of years. Uh, which means it doesn't really fit in with that IDW prequel comic either. Which, but hey, the excellent films—they <laughs> are meant to be in the same universe. They do, you know, there is crossover. Um, it's just that it's a bit like with the Star Trek films, I guess. It's just saying we're in the same universe. It's just this is a different. We've started a different timeline now. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, like, I mean, yeah. if you watch all the excellent films in a row. They, they don't make any sense or fit together at all, even slightly. People are all different ages and bad different backstories. And, and there's like just one of them that reboots everything. Mm. I don't, yeah, I don't think films are really the right medium mm. for continuity. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, it just kind of makes me want to see The Iron Giant does Bumblebee. And, um, <laughs> Uh, the Iron Giants could fuck right off because it's yeah. the Iron Man. Bloody Americans coming in, forcing a name change of a film adaptation. Cast of a rock, not having Tom Baker read it in five ten-minute episodes at the end of children's BBC. Do they have any relation? I know the main kid is called Hogarth in The Iron Man, but I, I don't really have any relation to it. I've never seen The Iron Giants, to be fair. Not. So it's that. Nah, well, it's like the Bumblebee it's the movie. Man. I'm very committed. But if Bumblebee was a Decepticon who lost his memory, and um, I mean, and then really, but I would have thought Bumblebee film, by the look of it, is just the 2007 Transformers film, but with some Stranger Things style ref- 80s references. Shit, you yeah. haven't seen it yet, man. But Norris Tom, but he's assuming it's going to be like, if he can assume it's going to be like a film, I can as well. Well, that's what Travis Knight said. And his dad made shoes. And and that's, that, I'll take his word for it. Okay. I really, I mean, I really, really like, um, um, uh, which one did you do? He did um, Kubo and the Two Strings. I haven't seen Box Trolls. Mm. The other one. I haven't. I, I've been meaning to watch that. I'm very fond of his company. Mm. I, 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 as far as all that, I'm still holding out that uh, Anthony Hopkins will show up in Bumblebee. as Because uh, he said in the last film that he knew Bumblebee when he was a younger man that they used to hang out oh. all the time. So uh, this, uh, Anthony Hopkins played himself younger without CGI or makeup. Just uh, fat old Anthony Hopkins not giving a fuck, projecting youth. That's what I want for about an hour of a film. Him just saying, dude, for a good 45 minutes. That's... Then I will appreciate it. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll put that on my bingo cards. <laughs> Fat old Anthony Hopkins saying, dude. 
Five stars. Wait, is this meant to be ironically or unironically? It's both. I mean, Anthony Hopkins was the best thing by far in the last one. So he, he does deserve to be in a, in a better in a better Transformers film. Hmm. But uh, I just considering the budget has gone on uh, that wrestler man. I might be able to afford Anthony Hopkins for this one. I saw him on Graham Norton talking about wrestling in promotion, not letting Hailey Steinfeld speak. He just talked about how good wrestling is. Who is this man? Uh, John Seno, is it? Cena? Cena, I don't yeah. follow wrestling. So it's uh, outside of Hulk Hogan. I'm an episode of Star Trek Voyager with a rock in it. I'm a bit lost lost at sea. He's got an extraordinary face, that man. Really looks like somebody's drawn a person in a kind of weird, exaggerated way. And then like some kind of AI has sort of transmuted that into flesh. Like everything is just kind of the wrong proportion, but not in an unpleasant way. Well, he, I think he's like played a villain, isn't he? So that would be good for the film. Um, I, think, I think powering it back to basics as well is a sensible thing. I think the last one had reached that point many film franchises do, where they just go beyond their reach in what they can achieve. You know, it is the uh, uh, the dying of a day again, or the uh, the uh, Star Trek uh, Five, or that film where it just goes just uh, just too far over what even the people who like those films are prepared to put up with. So it's powering it back to the sort of style the first one had, which is, I think everybody thinks the first one is the best one uh, by a considerable margin. So I'm trying to recapture some of that when there's a whole generation of kids who have been growing up born after that film came out as well. So this could be their first Transformers film experience and do for them what the 2007 film did for a whole bunch of kids as well. I think it's a, it's exactly the right uh, direction to take. Meanwhile, I've opened my flywheels. Ah. And so I'm good, it's flywheels. I'm a little miffed. Is your, really? Does yours have this? The paint, oh, the stuff painted over. on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all those toys you don't they? Yeah, the, the battle damage look. Just a bit of um. That doesn't look battle of... damage. That just looks. Is that supposed to be? But it'll be like. It just looks like the silver from the treads has just spilled everywhere. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. A little bit of alcohol, I think, gets that off. Okay. Um, but but, but right to be fair, you're only going to use him uh, when you get the uh, member of the DJD whose name I've forgotten. Uh, what is only... Uh, sorry? Chestman. Chestman, yes. Uh When you get him uh, and you have flywheels popping up out of his chest. I, I reckon she could fit in that head first. Well, he, he comes apart quite neatly at the waist. Does he? Yeah. Just give him a good yank. And... Ah. So you could have, like, his feet sticking out of Thesaurus's <laughs> belly on display, right? Yep. Yeah, that's... Well, that's the only reason anyone would want to Thesaurus. It's why I'm, I'm getting by. <gasps> uh... hmm, he's a good figure. I like him. He's He's hefty. And his, his, his little alt modes are so cute. Mm. He's got a little plane, little tank. Meh, meh, meh. 
It's weird that he's in a line like Siege, which doesn't seem to have any kind of sense of humor. Um, but he's like obviously hilarious. <laughs> it's a good color scheme. Um, so, yeah. Has something stopped recording because something just started beeping in mind? Something started beeping. Not here. No. Oh, okay. That's. <laughs> Okay, no, it's all it's all the recordings in progress. We are ah, still right, recording. Okay. Whew. So we've brought Christmas cheer back to Eternia. Um we have I've eaten a, a whole ploppo. <laughs> oh sorry, yes, I was supposed to have some as well. I sh- uh, you carry on talking to but I will I will stick the plop in my mouth and uh, rinse it round with some cider. See, th- this is why and, I love uh, you. So we can we can talk about the plop. Yeah, it's a there's a plop, ladies and gentlemen. That's uh, that's what one looks like. I'm just for those of you, for those of you just to the audio, you'll have to imagine the plop in my hands there. But that's uh, oh yeah, just kind of oozing I through his fingers. Up with the camera. I'm I'm kind of more concerned not so much about the name plop, but cloetta sounds a lot like cloaca. Hmm. Which of course, which is a sort of combined genital anus region the, uh, of fish. Uh, birds. It's why fish and birds have all the most fun because it's all in one. Not ratites, though. Ratites have a penis. It's good to know we have, we, when you have sex with animals. Which one? It kind of. Re- oh my god! You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so we've brought Christmas cheer back to our hearts, and um, you don't sound too <laughs> sincere about that, Tom. Uh, We've got some Terra and some Blake Seven and some Ploppo and some Lost Light patches and some cards with animals on them. Uh, and Marion has also opened an additional out of bounds present to herself in the form of flywheels. And um, and we've talked some smack about about die another day. Um, the bumblebee. I think that's a good day's think, work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh... I suppose the, the big question to, to follow up with is, as we at the end of the year, what do you two want from the Transformers comic reboot that would make you come back and podcast about it in 2019? Uh, is it still on? It seems that maybe maybe there's been some well, if, if behind-the-scenes turmoil at IDW. If you would come... If you would come to... Yeah, well... <laughs> If you come to York, mate, uh, there was somebody there who knows a few people who said that apparently it is on. It is on. <laughs> so that's why you should have come to York, Tom. I should have come to York, yes. I can't reveal my exclusive inside sources, but... It's, oh, man. Uh, somebody who knows somebody said that as far as I know, it's on. Oh, um, Tom was on his way to York. We had a, a York meet with people locally, and Tom was going to come all the way from down south all the way to Brighton, and his trains did the bad thing, and he could no longer make it. Um, and that was poor. He was poor. It was plops. It was plops. Uh, but um, it's okay. We have had our Christmas get-together now. We've exchanged presents, and we're going to be planning our next podcast Maximus get-together, right? Right. Yes. It's uh, it's a, only a shame about York is that we had made the Welcome Tarn banner. Uh, we we still spent the entire Friday up till about two o'clock in the morning making it with painted acrylics and plastics 
uh, little flags with Tom's face on it. Uh, we were there for the train when it arrived, and another man called Tom got off, and he assumed it was him. Uh, we, we were too ashamed to tell him, so he hung around with us for the whole weekend, and uh, he was very confused. He'd only come from the Christmas market, and he said he he had to look at flywheels and metroplex and uh, watch me eat a curry. It was... <laughs> I did hear about the curry. That's, that's, that's one experience I had. Uh, uh, listeners, uh, projected. Stuart had never had curry before. Well, you know, I'm not a stereotypical English word. I know it's all stereotypical English uh, foods and all the. Uh, yeah, but don't uh, stereotype us. We're all oh, very I'm just glad to have introduced curry into your life, Stuart. But you never said, are you going to have it again? Did you like it? Uh, yeah, I'll have it again if. Uh, if uh, I'm in a situation where I'm in a curry place and other people are eating, you you make that sound as if it's not something that happens a lot. Like literally, the the country is full <laughs> of curry places and people eating them. Okay, what what if Stuart? What if um, we all have to go to the uh, climate change refugee camp? Um, you know, we can no longer stay in our homes because of fires. So, is this a refugee camp for climate change? Is climate change? Well, we climate change will be the, will be so will be there shortly. But for now, we got the illusion of of safety. Um, and you know, we're up in in Svalbard. It's blisteringly hot. It's forty degrees uh, at night time. And um, you know, one of the guards. <laughs> says that you could be released and you can go back to your old home in Kidderminster and go back to your old life. But you've got to eat this trough of curry. What sort of curry would it be, Tom? Chicken. I think you find it's all... There are many different types of chicken curry. Now, you were stereotyping and uh, assuming that it's all the same. You, you Brexit I think, it's true. I think I know what's going on here. And what's going on here is that Tom doesn't actually eat curry. <laughs> <laughs> So he's trying. He's trying um, to make you feel bad about this year, but in fact, he doesn't like it. <laughs> no, it's it's too spicy and it hurts my mouth. Well, yeah, next time, Tom, you can have your first curry, and we'll all watch you. We'll applaud at you. Well, end, it'll uh... be it'll be in the climate refugee camp, right? Because we'll we'll be on opposite side of the trough, and the guard is there. He's tapping his taser. He's saying, "Who can eat the most curry? We'll let you go home." Um, you know, I know a guy who works at Theresa May's home office internment camp management center. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we've got to eat it with our hands and, and we've got to rub it in our eyes. But here's the thing. He's put, he's put one piece of glass in it. So one of us might get the glass. So I forgot what the question was now. Would you, would you, would you eat it? Uh, would I eat yeah. curry? <laughs> would you eat the curry? Uh, yes, <laughs> I would eat curry at some point in the future again. Yes, yes. So you can go back to your home. But it'd be it'd be abandoned, it'd be empty. It would be dust everywhere, it'd be mould. No one would so, live in Kilimanjaro so anymore. So unchanging. Tom, this is, a, this is an extremely <laughs> specific example here. I just just want you to consider With, yeah, that so before it's... anything happens. <laughs> It's, it's lucky you did it turn up to the York meeting. It would have got so existential and deep, we'd still be there. <laughs> I don't think Mario would have put up with me for more than two nights. Uh, but that's not the question I asked about an hour ago. What I asked was... Oh, the 2019 <laughs> reboot, which, oh, my, yeah. which, which your mate says is happening. Um, 
Okay, I've got something, but it's kind of weird, and I just did a weird yeah. thing, so I'll, I'll I'll let someone else go. <laughs> I, uh, hey, you go oh, wait, wait. What, what are you asking, Chit? Are you asking what would we like it to be? Uh, what what would you what would you like to see, or what you think it'll be? But what what would make you come back and podcast about the reboots? Well, I would, would podcast it about it regardless because it would be a new thing. What I expect to see and what I'd like to see are probably not going to be the same thing. Uh, I'd like to see a lot of what was. I'd like to see more space opera because I quite enjoyed that. So far away from Earth settings, I would like, the, or at least I, I, I really liked what IDW did in terms of the different stories happening, uh, which attracted different audiences. So then there is no. I don't like this. Why is this happening? I'm not buying the book anymore. Blah blah. I just want people, everybody, to have something that they like reading, uh, without that something feeling the need to please everybody. Uh, so I hope that they keep the format of different um, stories by different writers and artists and different styles and so on. Other than that, I just want them to not go back on a lot of the things that they did well. Um, so I, I, I think I would feel tired at this point if we went back to a story which started in the middle of the war on earth and it's all again about you know um cold warfare and blah blah equally i would find it tiring if we were in the middle of the war and it was open warfare i don't know i'm just i'm kind of sick of the war now uh, i think there's a lot more other things that are interesting uh even if it's at the beginning of the war i would enjoy it if it's like eras we haven't seen before or which we saw but we didn't get enough of maybe that's what i want to see more cybertron back in the day i hope that they keep that vision of old cybertron uh, as like a society that was functioning but was broken um and the things that led to the war being more substantial than just the warlord wanting power i guess So to Tom, do your weird thing. Oh, well, I, I kind of want the opposite. I kind of want um, something very much uh, set on Earth in the modern day. And I don't want them to get off there. I don't want them to have spaceships or light speed. I'd actually quite like most of the cast to be born mm. or have like a, like be tethered. I really like that old... No, I guess nobody likes it but me. But I really like that old uh, Budiansky thing of like this is a it kind of did it a little bit in animated but like there is a culture here and we don't have that where we're from and kind of make it a sort of immigrant parallel kind of make it more I'd like them to be more refugees than soldiers I think most of your characters so a bit like uh, um, what's it called um, the sci-fi film with aliens on us uh, in Oh, yeah. District Nine, Alien Nation. Oh, District Nine. Yeah, no, about Alien Nation as well. Yeah. yeah, District Nine kind of played all that for laughs more than anything. I, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like a, um, a certain, um, I guess yeah, you could could have it light or satirical, um, but yeah, I kind of think that if you give them too much stuff. If you give them light speed and matrixes and and all this kind of technological things, um, that kind of leads the plot down that that um, 
that sort of sci-fi fantasy kind of avenue. I think there's more. I think I agree with you. Yeah, I'm bored of all that of, of like the war and the, that kind of seriousness and um, the kind of uh, implications of what that would bring. Um, and yeah, having I also kind of want mostly new characters <laughs> as well. Uh, I guess you're gonna. I guess there's there's Hasbro having their sticking their oar in, and they want this and that, but. Um, yeah, small, familial, um, young people characters who uh, are sort of contrasted against the sort of old war horses, the people who've come from from other places. I think that would be most interesting. And then it's a good way to kind of keep what worked so well in Lost Light um, of um Keeping the keeping the the robot characters very humanized and having analogies to, um, you, you don't have to make them analogies to human culture anymore. You can just actually make it that, and just sort of you know square that circle. It's not like this one guy has got holotapes from Earth, and now we can talk about community. You can just put them here, and they can just watch TV or you know go on the internet or whatever you want them to do. Anyway. If maybe they could just like slightly more, if they've got access to all of human knowledge and history, maybe just not sort of stuff a 40 year old man from Guernsey would like. (laughs) (laughs) A more varied palette. But uh, uh, well, for me, you know what? I'm fine with with a deck clearing touching base with a basics of a franchise thing. I think that's sort of thing that everything needs to do every now and again. It's what Doctor Who has done very well this year. Uh, if you're me anyway, <laughs> it's uh, what uh, Star Trek did with uh, the Abrams films. It's what uh, Bond did with Casino Royale. And, and there's all these big, long-winded franchises every so often have to do a Okay, it's got very complicated. And I think you know, the comic continuity is good as so much as it was had got very involved and uh, they, were, they were like, uh, I think I said you some reviews, there were some C issue pages like when Scorpionock showed up, they said like C issue and that issue was 10 years ago something like that, so a, there was definitely a need for uh, uh, a fresher start which uh, I, I guess they tried to do that with Lost Lives and Optimus Prime, but messing up by not giving writers enough notice they were going to do a fresh start so they couldn't really do the sort of deck clearing thing and it ended up issue one of Lost Light and issue one of Optimus Prime were just as evolved as issue 58 of those books uh, original books would have been so they kind, of, they kind of did drop the ball there which is maybe why they've got full on reboots this time to just sort of do it very hard and, and clean so if it was you know Autobots versus Decepticons at war around Earth, uh, I I wouldn't be too bothered as long as it was a well and interesting and took advantage of the fact it's been thirteen years or well, fourteen by the time it starts or fifteen, sixteen the way things are going. Uh, since Infiltration did its very ultimate style take on it, you know, is and I want new young creators. I think James and John gave us sort of a last statement of the generation that grew up on the Marvel comics and the G1 cartoon. That was sort of as far as you could go with those people who were the original fans. And uh, I'm sure what they'll try and do, whether they'll manage it, I guess we'll see, they will try and launch with as big a name a writer 
as they can get. Uh, so maybe that will be a sort of an 80s person who grew up in the 80s, an older fan. If they can get Kieran Gillen, they, they will definitely try for that. But uh, somebody of that ilk, who they can ha- hang it on to get casuals in. Uh, but I think the other, there will be more than one writer based on previous form. Uh, the other writers should be young and tested, maybe. Uh, more female writers, more non-British and non-American writers. Uh, sort of opening up a bit and bringing these new perspectives. So it's not just, you know, here's number 113 for the 800th time. Or whatever, bring their jokes, their obsessions with what they grew up with from animated or or the movies, even. Because, of course, pe- people who were kids, where the first film came out, maybe in their 20s now, uh, that sort of target age of cheap writing talent that uh, IDW loves so much. Uh, it's a shame IDW never nurtured new writers in the same way that they did new artists, but I'm sure, like they got lucky with James, there are fan fiction writers out there, they could develop and give a chance on one shots around whoever they have as their initial main writer and, and see where it takes them. So I'm sort of more interested in uh, in what they do with the style than necessarily the style. I, I also hope, because one of the main rumours, that I'm not sure if this has been debunked now, because if it was going to happen, it would have happened closer to the launch of the toy line. One of the main rumours was that it was going to be based around the toys, the, the siege toys. Uh, but whether something like that does happen, maybe there's more toy promotional. I hope uh, whether they have writing it is a bit more enthusiastic about having to promote the toys than perhaps James and John were, because I think that was maybe, mainly the, perhaps a big weakness uh, of lots of more recent stuff. Uh, but that's just coming off the back of reading uh, the last two machete trains, the first one of which has the, oh, you're all combiners now, including you, Mirage, um, the second one of which has, let's forget Mirage was ever a combiner and only give Rook a personality three seconds before he dies. <laughs> which, uh, if, if, if they're told to do it, uh, do it Buddy Ansky style, where they just throw themselves into it with, with a bit more enthusiasm. But, uh, yeah, new writers, fresh writers, new perspectives, on the uh, old ideas and using f- the familiar starting points go off in its own direction as the previous IDW continuity did and see where it takes them. Okay, so who... Or or if they do want a, a, a Marvel-obsessive sort of subpar James Roberts, they can hire me. <laughs> I, I have seen every episode of Red Dwarf. I'm available. That's one hell of a pitch. Okay, so to, to split the difference between the three of us, it seems that we all want new blood, uh, new situations, um, and um, I guess, do, do we agree that, like, G1 as a concept is, like, kind of used up? Do you mean in terms of the story? Because they will forever be my favourite designs. And it- mm. Oh, yeah. And I don't mean like, you know, the original, original designs. I just mean as an aesthetic. The original aesthetic will oh. always be favorable in my eyes than, say, Prime or Animated or um, or the movie designs. Or, like, for me, G1 is the aesthetic that I, I enjoy the most. In terms of the story, I I like the origin story. Like, 
I'd like you to be there in the background and I'd like the characters to still be recognizable. I don't need it to be exactly the same, but I kind of need Megatron to be Megatron and Optimus to be Optimus in a way, I guess. Um, so I kind of want my basics there, uh, but I, I want fresh takes on them and a uh, different viewpoint on them, I guess. Hmm. Hmm. I guess that. Uh, yeah. I guess I was. I was thinking more into. I wasn't actually thinking of the aesthetic. I was thinking of the. Um, of of that. There's legends. That kind of thing of Optimus versus mm. Megatron and being on opposite sides. The you know. The, uh, yeah. I like. Yeah. I do want that to be the starting point of the premise in a way, but mm. not necessarily follow through to what we've seen before. Hmm. Yeah, it's hard to say. Sort of a, 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 the basics, the classic basics, are always a good starting point. In the same way that in Star Trek, you want to start with a ship that's usually called the Enterprise, flying about investigating weird ship because that's the default stuff you build from to your Deep Space Nines or your uh, uh, expanded canon universe. Uh, so, uh, using the, the, the classic default that's very proven to work, and uh, I'm, no one knows at the time we recorded this how well the Bumblebee film is going to do financially, but, you know, critically, it's, as we said, it's doing very well. And that is lots of very old-school G1 references and homages. Yeah. Uh, so, it's, it's good to revisit every now and then for that, that, that touching base. Mm. But then I'd say Travis Knight is kind of the epitome of of the person, the kind of person we we feel is maybe best kept away from this reboot. I, I know nothing about him, but, so if, if he if he is like sort of the American James Roberts, no, and he's super G1. He's, he's uh, very rich. Um, he owns an animation company. He's uh, in his late thirties. Uh, he's incredibly meticulous about wanting to replicate an idea of his from childhood. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, there is call for that, for rich white, rich white, rich white men to do that to us. Um, but maybe in the low stakes, relatively inexpensive comics world, we could try and not have that guy. Hmm. There is a lot of talent out there, I'll say this. Um, the, and there are a lot of good fanfic writers. Uh, and there's certainly a lot of uh, very good artists. And I hope they do make the most of that. And don't go for their tried and tested and give somebody else um, a chance. But obviously, I would like to see the tried and tested. But in a kind of, you know, how we had the one-off mini-stories in IW continuity so far. So... Maybe another kind of Stormbringer type of thing or another, you know, the um, Dinobot stories or, you know, that kind of thing. Like a standalone, but, um, oh, Megatron Origin for that matter. Um, uh, yeah. That kind of thing. I, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Old Blood on that, but just give, give new people an ongoing. Just let them have it. Mm. Yeah, and uh, in fact, one of the issues I did reread recently uh, through the Ashetti books was uh, Spotlight Jazz, which is, I think, really about the only time, allowing the fact that Nick Roach was an artist first who badgered his way to writing, and that James was his mate he dragged through with him, 
I think, I think Spotlight Jazz was really the only time they tried fan writers mm. properly. Mm. Uh, you know, let's give somebody a chance. Who's done all this very good, well received, uh, semi ignored, semi approved mosaic stuff, and give them a go. And that's it's not a perfect issue. It's uh, it, it, their areas could be better, but it's a really good, solid first professional writing gig. Mm. And it was like it's a shame they, those. Uh, I can't remember the name of the two, two authors now off the top of my head, uh, but it's a shame they did not get the chance to develop that very promising first attempt and that other people, in a similar way, words equally. So yes, there's a huge mine of of people that could be... Uh, I know they, they may not necessarily all make the link successfully to professional level, but assuming RDW are going to be doing a lot of Transformers comics still with reboots... Mm. Uh, there are avenues they can try out and experiment as long as they have one solid person overseeing everything to, to make sure things don't go too nuts, sort of advice on structure or whatever. Uh, there, are, there are opportunities for them to to develop the next James Roberts and Nick Roach without forcing them to draw issues first or, or sneak in through a secret crack through the back of a credit it all hail Megatron Coda. Mm. They've tried it a few times, but I, I, I don't know if it's just the American comics market, but they just don't do anthologies. Mm. Uh, anthologies are just perfect for that. Because you don't have to care about continuity or your big myth arc or anything like that until it starts to become important from its own for its own sake. Like you read old 2000 ADs and when they're just sort of finding their feet, just like anything stick, you know, just try things until you sort of settle on where well, these writers seem to be doing it. These artists seem to be defining it. You've got to have that period of, of plasticity in the beginning. So they're trying to go in and this is going to be the franchise now. Um, okay, you mentioned artists there, Tom. I think well, one of the assumptions so far has been, but uh, hey, Spinnerson. He's a surgeon. But who's? Uh, I'm very confused about where my lens is, and so nothing I'm holding up is probably visible to the camera. But hey, there's my spinner, sir. Which one's best? <laughs> well, the stickers, the stickers. That, the best. Because my lens is quite high up, I, I'd probably be looking down and quite sad throughout the entire recording. But I'm not sad, listener, don't, uh, re- watcher. No, I have to say uh, mine is better uh, because it was a present from yesterday. So if I say yours is better, and now you're going to think, oh, no, she didn't like a present. Well, and your, yours has both blades as well. It's not weird here for me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, artists, one of the assumptions has been, as far as I can tell, that because the comics need so to get through so many artists, uh, just the covers alone, uh, but sort of to make their schedule, that we will still be seeing uh, familiar faces of the art team. Uh, popping in and out. So who who would we like to see come back on art? It's a good question, because right now, I, I want to say nobody. I want to see mm, new artists. It's not that I don't like the old artists, of course, and it isn't that I want them to be out of a job. I hope they go forth and, you know, flourish, do other things, uh, have a change, um, find better paying gigs and companies that appreciate them more. But I think there's a lot of talent out there, and I'd like to see some of the new one. Yeah, I agree. 
Not that yet. <laughs> new! Let's have new stuff. That, um, that Bumblebee graphic novel they did, which just seemed kind of like heated over <laughs> cartoon plot. Uh, the, the one that seemed more like a prequel to Bumblebee film than the actual prequel to the Bumblebee film. That one you mean? Which one yeah, was that? Even though the win if you, de- win if you yeah. dare. At least that had new artists on, as far as I'm aware. I don't think they... I mean, they, they went... It hadn't been kicking around the Transformers mm-hmm. franchise. Um, I mean, it's just it's, it's like a reboot, just an amazing opportunity to, uh, yeah, experiment. Mm. You don't have this sort of this weight of the fan base, you know, kind of second guessing everything you do. Um, you can just. You can try and find new a new audience. You can try and find a new market. If you do, I mean, really, they need to get like sold in supermarkets. They need to kind of um, need to sort of break out of. I don't know. It would be like if it was like a comicsology original or something, just like or a web comic or something that breaks out of the mm. shrinking comic singles market that that. that it's exists. difficult. Um, no, I think no matter what they do, are they ever going to get beyond twenty thousand in diamond sales? I, I doubt it. Um, I think the the market is oversaturated for a certain type of thing. So they need to do a different type of thing, which is what they were doing with some of the books and getting a different type of reader. I read mm. who has probably been felt a lot more left out, um, but is now starting to feel a bit more empowered and having a voice on a wallet, you know. Um, so yeah, if they're going for that big old Transformers market, I think it's yeah. I don't think they're gonna get that. I think. I think. Uh, I guess it might be beyond my control in terms of. Uh whatever conditions Hasbro have laid down or behind the scenes issues is that the, uh, the time to do something uh, as an issue one would have been as Bumblebee Field came out. Because mm. uh, the, the original issue zero of Infiltration was a December issue, wasn't it? So if, if they did something sort of to coincide with uh, publicity around the film, I think the only stuff out this month is issue three of Star Trek versus Transformers and a, and a GoBots issue. Hmm. So they've, they've, I think they've missed uh, an opportunity there to uh, to cash in a bit on the, the, the profile of uh, of the, uh, the film, which I, I suppose Lost Lights is really uh, the main beneficiary there because that's the one that's got all the publicity this week from being uh, nominated for that uh, comic writing award. So if, if people are checking out a Transformers comic off the back of a movie film, it'll be old issues of more than me to try and lost light. Mm. They're, having, which is, uh, they're having a big sale, aren't they? Um, I believe they are, yes. they. Uh, but that was last week, wasn't it? Is that still on? Um, I don't know. Well, anyhow, uh, the the Star Wars, uh, Star Trek Transformers crossover, That's that was... Is it my understanding that that was like made quite a long time ago, and that was just sort of timed to sort of fill this gap? I, I would guess not, because they've had to replace the artist for issue three. Oh, have that, they? Uh, Jack Lawrence just took over. Oh, uh, okay. So I guess that was your schedule thing. So that doesn't sound like they had a long leading time, unless there were some other behind the scenes issues that led to that change. Uh, 
I don't know, but uh, it's it's an odd thing to do. I mean, uh, even with that Bumblebee prequel comic, which I uh, have slightly rimmed over the course of this podcast, uh, finished a couple of months ago, which seems a strange thing to do to lead in mm. to a film, to do it outside of a maximum publicity time for the actual movie. I've never but, been. Uh, I've never seen anyone be more scared to release a film, I think, than they were to release this Bumblebee film. It was just, it, it's a miracle if it really is a good film. Because they just seem to like not know what they want to do with it, whether they want it to be in continuity or not. Whether, like, it seems like all the decisions around that film have been made around marketing, which is unusual for Hasbro, obviously. But none of them have been made around anyone wanting to make a good film, um, or at least that's mm. how it's come across. Um, if it is a good film, then that's probably not true. But um, yeah, and I think that's probably one of the reasons that they haven't gone all out on the. Um, tie-ins and the publicity and so on because they weren't quite sure what they wanted this film for um it was mm. kind of like testing the waters kind of thing um and who knows um my thinking is that if this does well now they are going to then take the next step and they were waiting to see how this does to decide on what they're going to do with everything else um and relaunching the comics and so on Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good point, actually. Maybe they are still uh, mulling it over and thinking things through. I mean, part of the issue that Bumblebee the film was thanks is that uh, the previous film, it wasn't really a failure. It still it didn't do as well as the previous. It even needed to be such a success, they carried on with their original plan for Bumblebee confidently, or a complete disaster, something okay, we're going to do it completely over and reboot this. But it said it was sort of, yeah, it's in the, the middle. It did okay. And they don't know how to, quite how to react to that. Mm. Mm. Who knows what's going on over there at Paramount. So we're going to have uh, another episode in which we wrap up the NW continuity. Uh, there's going to be some treats in that episode because... Um, uh, there's going to be surprises for the actual podcasters in the episode. Um, and um, we haven't uh, discussed when we're going to record this, guys. This seems like a new year kind of deal. Uh, like uh, up to the new yes, year. Yes, a new year yeah. special. So something between Christmas and New Year for Look. around. Something between Christmas and New Year for around. Sure, yeah. If a man hasn't got us yet. Yeah. I, Tom will be well into his uh, Blake 7 marathon by then. I know, so. I know. I'll be the Blake 7 expert on the team. I don't know if this is a good time to say what you got me for my birthday. So you don't feel so, <laughs> so singled out there, Tom. Are you ready? He's not singled out. My, my heart is dropping. <laughs> Believe me, it's even better than yours. This is what I got for my birthday. Sapphire and Steel with Joanna Lumley and David Macron. A special oh, McCallum, Tom. A special edition. Yeah, he's always talked about that. What is it? Uh, well, it, this it's sort of a weird horror show. It's uh, got some fantastic, terrifying imagery in it, especially... In the, uh, the railway soaring and the uh, 
the photography one, and the photography one is the reason I got uh, that as a present for Marion because it's a story about haunted photographs. Uh, there's got lots of stuff about photography techniques in it, but you can sit there and go, that is inaccurate. That way. If you were really to take a photograph that way, a ghost would knock about photograph, that's unrealistic. Okay. Because whenever you mention it, I always think it's a mining show because those are things you mine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, they're, they're, they're elements. They are supernatural beings designed to uh, protect people like you, Tom. Neither of those things are the horrors of uh, cracks in history. This is set in a world in which the future and past collide and time overturns reality. Like in a mine. And it is created by acclaimed TV writer PJ Hammond of Torchwood fame. Not flame. I look forward to this. I look forward to seeing the man from Uncle. Not the man from the man who was not from Uncle, in fact. Um, solve supernatural mysteries. Uh, he he was a man from Uncle. He just wasn't the man from Uncle. <laughs> but he wasn't from Uncle, was he? He was he was the foreign agent, or was he Uncle as well? Oh, yeah, it was a uh, an international force, uh, United Network for Law and Crime Enforcement, okay. I believe. Yeah. Now I know as well. <laughs> well, we're all getting a proper education around these parts. That's the important but, thing. Uh, they're mostly that, but absolutely uh, still scare me uh, terribly ever since uh, I saw the videos that my mom got when I was a kid. It's, also, it's about the horror in old objects as well, but anything old has a dangerous history to it that can be exploited. Like these DVDs. <laughs> That, that's basically what the photography one is about. It's putting old images on new media uh, and what that lets out. So, yes, uh, you could be watching Blake Seward on DVD and uh, suddenly a 1970s gay icon could appear beside you, Tom, and uh, chain you to a wall. It depends on the episode. It's... Oh, well, this is different, different Christmas than what I was expecting. <laughs> No, you expected a 1980s gay icon. It's going to be very... Right, yeah, God. Oh, 70... Mm. Mm. Bit long in the tooth, really. Right. Okay, I feel that um, Christmas is saved. Quite. Uh, no, the news has just come in. It's uh, dead. Oh. Spinister <laughs> has got a Rodimus star in his little stubby hand. Oh. So, shall we? Shall we? Shall we depart from this yeah. realm? Well, are we going to do our, our usual promotion? Right, right. Stuart, what is your usual Stuart, promotion? You, you've got sixty oh, seconds. My... No more. Go. Uh, I am still doing transformation every week. I'm going up to the end of the Armada comic. I shall finish the Armada comic for Christmas, and then in January, I am doing the Bay comics. Oh God. And uh, everyone, go watch Blake Seven and Sapphire and Seal. That was that was brief. Perfect. Tom, tell us what you're up to. Uh, I I'm doing an, a, a phylogenetics assignment right now. I'm just I'm not on social media and I'm not doing anything. Just 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 wait. Everyone, just be patient. 
<laughs> and I am just waiting for Christmas pretty much myself. Um, I am, yeah, that, that's all I'm doing right now. Just craw crawling so to Christmas. Stuart's reviews of the Armada comics are nothing. <laughs> Uh, I'm also watching season 19 of Doctor Who on Blu-ray and uh, live-tweeting about each story as I watch it, which just original observations as Adric is a bit shit. So if you, if you want to hear more crazy hot takes like that... Uh, so was, no, nobody sets Matthew Waterhouse on me. I'm having enough trouble fending off all the Transformers creators who hate me without Doctor Who actors joining in as well. But uh, I'm doing that as well. If you are a Transformers creator and you are listening to this... Then you know, be nice to Stuart, because we, you know, you, you, you get to get that swear off your chest, but we've got to hear about it. <laughs> yes, and, and uh, we know he he can be a right ass soul of you sometimes, but he's he's really a sensitive soul, so <laughs> be careful how you respond. <laughs> well, anyway, that's the last podcast, Maxus. <laughs> You know, <laughs> we broke shit. That's it. He's, he's just storming off. He wants nothing to do with any of us ever again. So, see you next year. <laughs> Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas everybody. everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry. Will Tiny Tom live, though? Well, you know, I mean, in 60 years' time, definitely not. Bye. Bye.